Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How are you? It's Ben Kissel staring at Marcus Parks. Hi, hi. So this is now, uh, we did the episode yesterday. That was Friday. Today is Saturday. A lot has happened uh, <laughs> since yesterday. So we figured we would update everyone uh, at the top of this show. And, of course, uh, going forward in the episode, we talk about North Korea quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick side note to the defector, uh, the man who ran away, who is now currently in South Korea. His uh, The people who failed to capture him are being tortured right now. But we talk about that coming up. Yep. Uh, they also found uh, what was tapeworms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things like that inside of his stomach they're, that are transported, or I guess they, they live in, in, in fecal matter. Dung. In dung! <laughs> which is a horrible name for a child. <laughs> dung Kissel. Uh, but they found some of that in his stomach. Alex Jones, the bloviating moron that he is, said, ah, that's proof. Uh, they're, they're, they're eating crap. They're eating poop over there. Uh, just, bowls and bowls of poop. <laughs> not just eating crap, but eating cooked crap. Eating you, cooked can t- <laughs> you can tell by looking at it. It's cooked. You can tell if you look at the chemicals, if you look at the chemical makeup of it, you can tell it's cooked. I've, I've eaten a lot of crap in my life, uh, and I, I know when I've seen someone who eaten, uh, who who has consumed crap, and that man, he, he, yeah, he had crap in the tummy. He had a crap tummy. Um, but, of course, they use untreated fertilizer in a lot of the foods in North Korea. Uh, obviously, their standards and practices for cuisine are not quite as high as ours. Uh, so that's where he got the tapeworm. It wasn't because they were force-feeding him. Human feces, uh, although they do horrible things mm-hmm. uh, to those individuals who go to these so-called hork camps. Although they're not, they're not doing Excel. No, they are just getting tortured. The work is really on the torturer. Yeah, you know, and I think that's uh, that's the the unsung hero in North Korea. Jesus, you know, I don't know. I, do they give awards to him like little plaques like torturer of the month, torturer I mean, of the week? I guess. I don't know. Maybe pain expert. I don't know what they want to be are called. You just bringing Robin Hood men in tights references into this now? Why is that a uh, is, that, is that one of them? Yeah, torturer of the month. Oh, really? I love Robin Hood men in tights. Oh, yeah. That was a great parody. They're wonderful. They don't make them like that anymore. So the Republicans, they passed their tax plan. 51 Republicans voted in favor of this tax plan. Uh, the only one who did not was Bob Corker out of Tennessee saying, uh, you know, talking about how it adds over a trillion bucks to the deficit, uh, ba- basically just holding true uh, to his conservative, conservative uh, principles when it comes to being fiscally responsible. Uh, he is the only rep- Republican to have any cojones whatsoever. So we'll get into the tax 
tax plan here in a second. And also Mike Flynn, of course, the former security advisor to Donald Trump for a couple of days. Uh, you know, he and Anthony Scaramucci were sort of racing to see who could get out of there faster. Uh, he has pled guilty to one count of lying to the FBI involving a conversation that he had uh, with the Russian uh, fella here, Kislyak. Mm-hmm. They had a conversation early December, December 1st, uh, Kislyak, Kushner, and Flynn met with Kislyak uh, to talk about uh, the United States policy going forward regarding Syria. Later on in that month, they had a conversation uh, with Kislyak regarding this UN sanction 2334. The UN, uh, basically, it's a UN resolution that stopped Israel or com- or wants to compel Israel to stop uh, their settlement program, what happens right now in Palestine. For those that don't know, I'm sure that a lot of you do, Palestinians are basically um, prisoners in their own country. The flip side, of course, is a lot of people who are pro-Israel say Palestinians don't even want to rec- recognize Israel as a state. So there has to be some rational common ground in there. But believe it or not, in Middle Eastern politics, there isn't. <laughs> There's absolutely none. So Flynn met with Kislyak to try to encourage the Germans, or the Russians rather, to vote against, to, to do away with it, to delay this UN sanctions vote, or to vote against it. The Russians ended up voting for it. The United States abstained uh, from it, so it passed 14 to nothing with the United States abstaining in this, United, uh, in this UN Security Council um, resolution. Where it comes, uh, where it becomes tricky. Number one, obviously, December first, that meeting with Kushner. That's a big time deal. That's son, the son-in-law of, of Trump, thirty-six years old. He has the nuclear codes, uh, <laughs> or at the very least, could get them fairly quickly, uh-huh. uh, which is horrifying to think about. The man with no government experience whatsoever, a waistline of that of Paris yeah. Hilton, and he's and that that makes me angry. That's not an indictment <laughs> on him, actually. That's more of a compliment uh, in most in most uh, sides of the world. But uh, he's extremely powerful. He has Trump's ear. Uh, and then, of course, uh, later on in, in December, that meeting with uh, with Flynn and Kislyak, where Flynn is trying to encourage him uh, to incur or tell him to encourage the Russians uh, to vote against this UN sanction. Where it becomes tricky here is obviously four days after uh, four days uh, after Trump is inaugurated, January twenty fourth. Flynn meets with the FBI. Uh, and he lies. He says he ha- he's had no contact whatsoever with the Ruskies. And that is why, of course, we have one count of lying to the FBI. He was looking at around 60 years possible, which is a pretty big gun to have uh, to be staring down the barrel of. Chose to go with uh, down the George Papadopoulos route. Uh, take the one count of lying to the FBI uh, charge now. Where are we now here? Some people on the left are saying this is the biggest deal of all time. Uh, this is definitive proof that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians in order to uh, steal the election in 2016. People on the right say this is nothing whatsoever. They say the word nothing burger quite regularly, which I hate with all of my heart. I hate Uh, that so much. They say it's no big deal. Talk like an adult, please. They can't. No (laughs) one can on either side of this country. Uh, So it's, but it's neither. It is an, it's an interesting situation. It's an interesting uh, turn of events. It could be that Flynn uh, and Mueller, Mueller, it's not technically illegal. 
what the, the, the meetings between Kislyak and Flynn. The it's meetings not themselves no, are not, not technically illegal. Right. And, you know, the, they were in the midst of transitioning uh, from Obama to uh, to Trump. At this point, obviously, the election was already done. Uh, uh, at this point, uh, Barack Obama, a lot of people think in a um, to try to discredit the Trump uh, victory, he expelled the 35 diplomats. Of course, that was also Russian uh, diplomats. Yes, I'm sorry. The the Russian diplomats. Uh, so Obama, uh, you know, it seems as if he was aware of some interactions between Flynn and the Russians. And of course, uh, it's very likely that he would be aware of such things. Mm-hmm. So the question is. Why did Flynn say that he didn't recall the meeting or lie about the meeting? Uh, is it illegal? Technically, I don't believe that it is. Uh, and so I, I just don't really see. I'm not seeing again. The smoke continues, mm-hmm. uh, but the fire is uh, forever elusive. It really is. And I think the big question here is, you know, why did he lie? I mean, it could. I mean, one of the possible excla- explanations could be like he just forgot. He it's just, possible, it's I possible, suppose. I guess it seems like a big thing to forget. Right. Uh, and uh, the other ex- explanation for it is that he lied because that might have led the special prosecutor, right? Special cro- prosecutor, special, special prosecutor right. down a trail uh, that the team didn't want him to go down. And we do have some new information. Of course, the other insight could be Mueller just didn't feel like taking this uh, with all the counts that were he was uh, that he was mulling over. Nah. Uh, he did not feel like taking that to trial because again, this is a massive gray area. Uh, you are allowed to meet with uh, with uh, foreign uh, with with uh, ambassadors of foreign nations. You know, th- th- it's a huge gray area, and so it could be that Mueller says, "Well, you know what? Let's get you on this lying to the FBI charge, six to twelve months." Uh, obviously, at this point, Flynn is he can be used. In any capacity, the special counsel wants to use him in now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he's added a very large flower to his lapel and is requesting <laughs> people to speak into it uh, and get get you know get in uh, in shot of the camera lens. No one is going to be telling their secrets to Michael Flynn anytime soon. <laughs> so it could be that Mueller is just like, I don't want to deal with all that. We're going to get him on this. Uh, and then he will be our puppet now. He will be our pawn now to use however we want. Unlike George Papadopoulos, however, who was actually uh, in July, it was late July when he pleaded guilty mm-hmm. uh, to lying to the FBI. But we didn't know about it for months. So Papadopoulos, I, who knows what he was able to collect? Yeah, who knows? Because he was he. People didn't know he was uh, working working uh, for the government at that yeah. point. I mean, Flynn's been out for a long time. A long, yeah, long yeah, time. A long guy. Of course, everyone's he with, no, yeah. no one's been talking to Flynn for a very no. long time, for and, many months, almost a year now. Absolutely. And you know, Flynn. You know, Flynn worked uh, with Obama. Obama fired him. You know, Trump actually had a conversation with Obama. Obama's like, just don't hire this guy. <laughs> Maybe should have taken Obama's advice on that one. But another interesting turn of events comes from this email sent from KT McFarland. Now, I actually know KT McFarland. I did Red Eye with her on a regular basis, that 3 a.m. show, on Fox News. In no way is it fake news. And it, it's not. It is not propaganda television. No, no, I'm not. I'm We all know that. No, we all know that. No. But I, so I had a chance to meet KT McFarland. Uh, I thought it was, it was one of those stunning revelations where I was like, oh, wow, I had no idea that I was sitting with people who could actually just get sucked up back into the government. Uh, but we see that oftentimes uh, with panelists on television news networks getting sucked into the government. is sort of a, a fluid process there. Mm. She sent out an email, and uh, you just get the feeling she wants this one back. And I don't know <laughs> if she sent it out and was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, or not. But she sent out an email 
on December 29th, and she was a uh, she was a transition advisor. Never ended up getting a real position um, in uh, in uh, the White House. She says the, uh, the the sanctions. Now, of course, I'm referring again to the Israeli sanctions uh, could also make it much harder for Mr. Trump to ease tensions with Russia. And then she says this quote, uh, which just throw which has just thrown the USA election to him. She wrote those in emails obtained by the New York Times. Now, it's not clear whether Ms. McFarland was saying she believed that the election had, in fact, been thrown. A White House lawyer said on Friday that she meant only that the Democrats were portraying it uh, that way. So, uh, nonetheless, if you want to uh, snip out that sentence from the email, it doesn't look good, which some people are doing in the larger context. Again, the Flynn investigation, it's not nothing, but it's not everything. It's a step uh, in the in, um, it, uh, it's a step forward for the special counsel. But again, who is it going to be attached to? We still just have no idea. Uh, and at this point, Trump is completely safe. So, you know, some people are talking about impeachment and all those things. <sighs> way, 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 way too early. And honestly, this whole thing is going to take years. Yeah, that, that's uh, one so- thing that we have to stress here is these investigations, these big investigations take years upon years upon years. Years, so they might impeach him in 2033, and that that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, he is but, much you know. more likely to die of a heart attack from the mayonnaise oh, burgers he has every day than he is from being oh, impeached. Any any day now, uh, <laughs> any any day. All right, so that's uh, that's where we're at with the Flynn situation, the line to the FBI. So that makes he and Papadopoulos, who are both Flynn, of course, the only one so far. Uh, who has pleaded guilty to anything that worked officially for uh, Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, Papadopoulos, uh, that's one of those, like, is he an intern? How big is he? You know, that was kind of up in the air. I think he was a little bit more significant uh, than Donald Trump wanted him to be. But Flynn, without a doubt, is now the biggest name uh, to have pleaded guilty uh, with the special counsel. And, of course, a lot of people thought when Manafort and Gates were, they they had the 12, they have the 12 counts uh, still against them. A lot of people thought Flynn was going to be the one uh, that was actually going to be indicted yeah. with, with multiple counts. But evidently, uh, that is not the case. So it is significant. But again, I would hesitate when it comes to getting too cocky on social media mm-hmm. or uh, channeling her inner Joy Behar uh, from The View, <laughs> who looked like she was. I, she was. Uh, I have no idea what happened, but it was. She was quite excited. <laughs> quite excited. It's. It's. It is what it is. And again, this is a long process, but that is, those. These are interesting new developments. But yeah. let's move on now uh, with the tax. Did that make sense? Yeah. Did we clarify it a little bit? I don't know. How do you clarify this investigation? I it's think we did muddy. the best we could, but uh, yeah, muddy. I mean, uh, essential takeaway, I think you said it perfectly. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. Right. It's, it's absolutely somewhere in between. It's just the next step. Which, so it just keep following yeah. it. It's still, uh, it's still smoke. The fire's yeah. getting closer. Who knows? Uh, but it's, you know, it's not a fire off in the distance anymore. Right. And I know I'm supposed to have, like, some really hardcore, like, left or right position. That's what radio personalities do, I guess. But it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. And neither of them are right. Uh, so we'll just try to keep on telling the truth as much as we possibly can here. But, that you know, it's interesting. If you look at someone like Professor Alan Dershowitz uh, out of Harvard there, the guy who said, uh, who, who taught Ted Cruz. Um, oh, and one what, of uh, OJ's biggest uh, lawyers. Yes. Yeah. Why has he gone so far to the right? Because he has gone to the right. He's been defending Donald Trump quite a bit. He's very, very pro the state of Israel. And, of course, I think that Israel should exist. But I also think, you know, the settlements are very unfair. Palestine should exist as well. Yeah, they yes, have to finish. Believe it or not, when the United States or when the West just 
throws countries into the Middle East. It doesn't work out. Isn't that stunning? Isn't that stunning? But that's why you have someone like Alan Dershowitz, who is such an advocate for Donald Trump, specifically in this situation, uh, because it ties to that UN sanction resolution 2334, uh, which, of course, you can look more into. Anyway, so that's that's where we're at right now with the Michael Flynn story, uh, to the best of our ability and to the best of our understanding. The left is going to chew it up, and the right is going to uh, spit it out as if it's nothing. Uh, again, we'll try to be rational and uh, and figure it out going forward. But now let's talk about this, what seems to me completely irrational tax plan. It's amazing. What the heck is going awful. on here? I mean, this is from the way, from what's actually in it to the way that it was passed, this is an example of how government is no longer representative of the American people anymore. I mean, let's just start, first of all, let's just start with how this thing was passed. Please. The, uh, the Republicans didn't introduce the, they didn't actually make the text oh. of the bill 500-page bill. Huge. Gigantic bill. They didn't even make it available until the day of. Right. Until a few hours before. Second of all, they were... Republicans were writing... Notes, yeah. handwritten notes in the margins of this bill as it was being voted on. That's a first draft. <laughs> that is the <laughs> definition of a first draft. Um, the one thing, uh, you know, I, I've criticized Cory Booker quite a bit specifically for taking big pharmaceutical money and not allowing Canadian drugs to help out uh, the older constituents of his, uh, in his area. But he did something relatively cool. He read the entire bill. Or I, uh, I didn't see if he actually finished, uh, but he began reading the whole bill on Facebook Live. And, I mean, it must have – I don't. I, can you Google that? to see how many if he actually finished and if so how many hours it took him 500 pages marcus you're a reader what do you think that and this is this is not token or tokian <laughs> or whatever this is the most boring mundane uh stuff to possibly read yeah. did you see what he did with facebook live well i, I just said uh, this is insanity that was his only uh, that's the only thing that i can find so i haven't found anything okay. about his facebook live thing it would take hours upon hours upon hours to read this thing and really to actually have it absorbed into your brain and figure it the fuck out well, just, would take days just reading this thing if you just read it and Unless you have a law degree, unless you have a law degree, so. even, even if you have a law degree, if you don't have a law degree and do not have a very uh, intense understanding of the law, then you're not going to be able to read this in a day and nope. understand this. If you were given a few days or perhaps maybe a week, which would be reasonable, so you could actually look at this, check it out, see what's actually in it, really absorb it and think about what's in there and then have some sort of debate about it, that would be representative government. That would be yes. what we want. And that's not... Not to say that the Democrats don't do this exact same thing. Of course thing. they do, but they the did. Republicans have been arguing against the Democrats for that for that exact for that reason. Exact reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Obama and Pelosi did this a few years ago, uh, where they pushed through some stimulus package without letting the Republicans read it. Of, of course, course they always do. That. But backroom deals, smoke, smoke-filled <laughs> backroom deals. Uh, yeah, John Conyers, course. can you put your pants on, please? Uh. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, but this uh, this is on a whole new level. Uh, this is uh, insane how mm-hmm. they're actually doing this shit and it's not just uh because they're putting forth an extremely unpopular tax plan that is going to add one trillion dollars to our deficit mm-hmm. but it's also because of all the little things that they attach to this and well i right, say so little, let's get into these a, are actually gigantic things huge the little things are for example like the uh deductions on luxury cars oh that's uh, good they need that <laughs> deduction of course they do yeah yeah there's the tax breaks for private jet owners of course they do. 
that's in the bill. They need it. It's a, you know, you think about how difficult it is to have a jet. And where do you find a runway these days? <laughs> and you know what? I bet all that it's going to trickle down. Oh, that's it's going to trickle down. That's going to be more. That's going to be more jobs. Oh, more. That's going to be j- more jobs. Yeah, because you know, if you could, if you don't have to pay as much for your private uh, jet, that's an extra day flight attendant on that private jet. Absolutely, you can we, have two instead of just one. Uh, Murkowski, of course, she was uh, a saint figure. For a lot of people on the left, because she had voted against uh, repealing the ACA and some other things. She's, uh, of course, the writing candidate there at a 2010 in Alaska. Well, she really screwed the pooch on this one. She voted for it. Yeah. Uh, and she also has something for uh, regarding Alaskan oil drilling. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, she... Uh, put forth. She's been trying to pass this for a long time, and in fact, uh, Republicans have been trying to pass this uh, for decades, and mm-hmm. it has failed every time. But finally, we're going to be able to drill for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, one of America's last frontiers. But so right. you know, now mm-hmm. that's allowed. Now we can drill for oil in Alaska. Isn't that right. fucking great? Yeah. Well, you know, my my stances on the oil and the drilling. Uh, as a society, we just use so freaking much of this. Uh, everything is oil-based, you know. Every plastic thing is oil. Um, but my goodness gracious, she's certainly given quite a bit of cash to her friends over there in Alaska. Yeah. And as we're seeing with the Keystone Pipeline, some flooding that happened recently, 15 minutes. Some. Uh, it was quite a bit, yeah. <laughs> a lot. 15 minutes, I think, was, what was it, 20 million gallons or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's quite, a lot more than some. Quite extreme. And it's exactly um, the opposite of what they said would happen. They said yeah. that, you know, the Keystone Pipeline, this is going to prevent spills. Right, we're going to have right. less environmental destruction with They got to figure it out. Lying about it again. So what do we do? You know, it's one of those things where I guess we'll be we'll be drilling in Alaska uh, for oil. I, I don't uh, fully understand why we have to do that. Um, you know, it is it's just tough because it's also like I don't want to go to foreign. I don't want to have wars for oil either. We just have to figure it out, and well, I just don't think we can. I think also it's going invest backwards. in green energy. We yeah. can also look towards uh, actual research in green energy. Which, by the way, right. we're we not going to have. We definitely, as many, didn't, we definitely didn't invade Iraq for their windmills <laughs> for their for their uh, wind turbines. Well, by the way, the people who could actually research that stuff and help us to find a separate path to clean energy, they're not going to be in America anymore. Oh, really? Because what this also did is this fucked over graduate students and specifically those in the STEM field as Ugh. hard as they possibly could. Okay. This bill resents the interest deduction for student loans. It elim- eliminates the $2,500 tax credit available to parents and it places a tax on college endowments, reducing the funds more than 150 colleges across the country have for scholarships for students in need of financial aid. We are cutting scholarships to our universities we're going to make Mm. this country dumber and not necessarily Uh, by dumber i mean we're not going to have the best and brightest here in america people talk about business people talk about innovation here in america we are making innovation more difficult you you and then you take into uh into account the immigration process which we get into uh we get into later on in the episode when talking about uh, the death of kate steinley um at the hands of garcia zarate you get you get the immigration where we're just literally you get four years of an education here and you're out uh and that's uh, we have they're not massive. even going to be coming here for education anymore because yep. they're not going to be able exactly. to get all the breaks. You know, it, it, it's just not things are falling apart as so, far as right. being able to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Right. Things are getting harder. They're making right. it harder every single year. And they're, they're going to blame it, you for it. And they're going to blame you. Yep. They're, they are making it easier for your only option to be Walmart. 
Target, you know, any other corporation out there, these faceless corporations, yeah. Comcast, they oh. are making that your only option. Every oh. day, and, I mean, if they're you look making at, it happen more and more and more, yeah. little by little by little by little. If you, uh, yeah, just Google the map of uh, the largest employers in the country and Walmart, it's the whole nation is basically, not the whole nation, a good a good 40% of it. Walmart is the number one employer uh, of so many states. Multi, I think it was like eight or nine, yeah, uh, 10 states there. And it's, it's a devastating thing to look at because as these republic and that's what's so shitty because as someone who loves small businesses who wants to see small business owners uh thrive and do well and i do think the aca screwed them over in a lot of ways uh when it comes to limiting the amount of people they can employ before having to give health benefits um this doesn't help them at all that's what pisses me off as well that's like so you can take this from the liberal perspective or you can take this from more of a um small government uh or more of a uh let's help small businesses approach Huge corporations are going to get a massive tax cut. Small businesses simply are not. They are not going to get anything out of this whatsoever. And that's what the Republican Party has been promising for so long. They're for the working class. (laughs) They're they're for the small guy. They're for the small businesses. And this entire bill, just as Marcus uh, stated, this entire bill is going to make it more difficult for them to compete. Uh, in the marketplace to compete in this so-called free market, which is a line of horseshit. Yeah, you take your the corporate tax rate from 35% down to 20%. That just means the corporations have more money to drive out the little guy. That means that they're not going to... And that means actually what that means is that they might even lower prices on things. Oh, since sure. They don't have to, since they don't have to pay as much, they'll lower prices on Absolutely. shit. And yes, sure, when I go to the fucking supermarket, I can pay... 15 cents less for a goddamn pack of paper towels. But well, you know that's what? actually, that's a good deal. <laughs> you, say, you say 15 cents less yeah. on a pack of toilet paper? 15 cents less <laughs> on a pack of toilet paper. Yeah, I might pay a dime or a nickel right. less on toilet paper, but that means that now that smaller supermarket out there that is mm. not owned by C-Town is not able to compete. Yeah. They're not able to bring their prices down. So now we go over to the other bigger supermarket. Right. Uh, we go to the Super Walmart. We go to, what do they call these things uh, now? There's these small, tiny Walmarts that they started putting in Little small villages? Or are they like literally villages it's at this a, point? It's some sort of, sti- it's like spring market they call it, or mm. some shit like that. It's just, a, it's a small Walmart. It's just Walmart going in. It's now, Walmart went for the mid, like it, it Right. It was usually like big towns, then medium-sized towns, and now small towns. One of the small the small town where my brother lives in in Texas, it's about 3,000 people. It's not big enough for a Walmart. But you know what? It's big enough for a spring market. And all yeah. the supermarkets in the area, regional supermarkets like Lawrence Brothers, they're having a hard fucking time competing because spring market is so much fucking cheaper. It's just going down the line more and more and more. And with these, corporate, with these big corporate tax breaks, it's just going to get worse. Right. Yeah, and as uh, as the uh, average income continues to uh, to stall around 50k, folks don't have a lot of money. It's just a perpetuating a cycle of you don't got a lot of cash, you got to go to the place that's cheaper. But the reason that you don't have a lot of cash is because there's no damn jobs. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, and it just continues on. And the thing is, Walmart can afford to put their uh, small places in cities that they might not even turn a profit at that store. It no. doesn't matter. Uh, but they can afford to do it. Yeah, they can afford to try um, it. Like, yeah, fuck yep, it. Let's try it out. Uh, so. Another thing this tax bill does mm. is that it removes the ban on churches non- and nonprofits from participating in political activism. That means that churches can officially endorse right. candidates. See, now this one I actually 
they have been for so long. I actually been don't hate this. Key. Also, They've been doing it low-key. They've been doing it under the table. It hasn't been that low-key. I mean, let's not go been, too crazy. It hasn't been that low-key. Donald key, Trump basically this, camped out at Liberty University during the damn election. But this right here, this is a, a direct example of the blending of church and state. Church and state is now no longer officially separated. Yes, yeah. they may have endorsed candidates here and there, but on the other hand, Liberty University is not a church. I mean, that's still a well, that's still a business, you know? Yeah, like, I guess so. It's yeah, the Falwell yeah. family. I know. It's but the Falwell I, but family, what interesting but, you know, fallout tax, here. Code, tax code wise, it's not. But what what is the fallout here now? Because obviously churches are tax exempt, which I think is absolutely insane. Is this going to affect that? Will they? I think that these, these mega the, the fact that Joel Osteen doesn't pay taxes, uh, or at least on the church income, is absolutely insane. Yeah. So maybe this will force the hand to get that uh, to get some cash there from these massive institutions, these massive businesses that should be paying freaking taxes. Of course it won't. Uh, we'll see. God damn it! Of it course could, it, it won't. Could, <laughs> it could go that way. It could. It, it could. absolutely will not go that it way. Might. I mean, no, it, that's possible. Uh, I guess it. I guess it is. This but, opens the door for that kind of conversation. Yeah, it opens the door for the conversation, but yeah. who's go, who's going to go against the churches? You know, like who's going to do that? Well, you know? oh, I, I don't. I think there's a lot. I, there, I think there's some. It opens the door for that. So that's a, I actually that that for the, for some reason that provision. I'm like, they've just been doing it for so long. I'm like, all right, well, just at least don't lie about it anymore. Then uh, at least I guess that's you not can, an excuse. Um, I mean, it, it's bunch just of a, schmucks. And if you want to look at what, what church and like, state yeah, looks you, like, the combo it's just the face of Roy Moore. Yeah, that's it. He's a freaking theocrat. I mean, it gets closer to that. That's what yeah. it is, that it's a step closer to people like Roy Moore. This mm. is a, It's another step towards that theocracy bullshit that people like Roy Moore want, and apparently some people in our country actually want. Well, I think even, even more so, it's a step further down the path of an oligarchy, <laughs> yeah. which is really what we're uh, up to at this point. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so I, I don't and know. there's I, other I, shit in there that we didn't even get to, oh like my God, the there, fetus personhood and uh, the uh, you know, gigantic slash so cuts to Medicare. Oh I mean, this, this They're is hurting a, their constituents. They're hurting the people who voted for them. You and know that's what? what? They it's won't, just, they it's won't just care insane. because the Democrats kill babies. I heard they're called libturds. <laughs> that's what I heard. The, <laughs> the Democrats are The libturds. Democrats kill babies and they're coming for your guns so they can fuck them over as hard as they want to and they will say thank you. Yes. Neither of those things, of course, are true. So... Um, all right. Well, that's the tax plan. Again, from a conservative perspective, Bob Corker is the only one who held his guns. Uh, they're stuck to his guns, rather. This adds a, over a trillion to the deficit. Uh, it's just Paul Ryan should feel ashamed of himself, but uh, the Republican Party will claim this is a victory. A lot of people don't really care what's in the bill. Partisan politics being as they are in this country, this could come, by, uh, come back to bite, bite them. Or in 2018, they say, look, we passed this tax bill, and uh, some people will inevitably be happy, uh, certainly. It's a matter of the wealthier individuals. People making over 100K are going to be totally fine, um, and they're not, they don't give a crap. Uh, no, about a lot of the other stuff, not. And they don't. You know they, they can, they're not concerned about education. No. Deduct, they, they have all. The, they yeah. don't have all the money, but they have enough money. So these are not concerns that have to uh, be addressed in their households. Of course not. And it's you know, and it's not like uh, all those people have enough votes to sway an election. But what they do have is enough money to funnel into the next election to make sure that their guy stays in office. But again, as we're seeing with, yeah, that's a whole another conversation about what does money mean anymore in politics? Um, because of course, as we saw with Roy Moore. Grassroots Roy Moore outspent by thirty million bucks, and yeah. look what look a waste of thirty million dollars on on a primary. 
Luther Strange. Oh my God, there's so much money that dude. I got 1.78 percent uh, in the Brooklyn presidential run. Mm-hmm. The guy I ran against who got like 88 percent. Eric, I think he, I think he raised over four million dollars. You're running against me. <laughs> For crying, he, well, he, he needed eleven thousand hey, dollars. That's what he needed to beat me. Let's not forget about Vito Bruno here. Of course, Vito. <laughs> I, I'm not going to forget yeah, about Vito. But even then, that's he not probably, to honestly, win. That's not to win an election. That's just to get uh, his name. That's just to well, get his name out there. You know what? So it when is. he runs for the higher office, his name is known to the of constituents. Of course, and already. you know, I mean, all all you do is you go to these galas. That's your fundraising gala. All this money has to be spent. At the, it's like Brewster's Millions. Yeah. You, get, you can't take it home with you. So all these investors do, or all these people who donate money do, they're just pre-planning for the party at the end of the election campaign. Yeah. Because then they just throw a huge party, and everyone has free appetizers and drinks. And, and you know, of course, in reality, they paid 5K for it, uh, but they just did it in a roundabout jerk-off political uh, campaign way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's basically where we are, and we have, oh my goodness, so now we're going to get into North Korea, immigration, a whole series of other things. Uh, we're talking about- whole other show after this this is the show yeah it's a, it's a, it's a yeah this is the attachment we, we just happened to record uh yesterday right before all of this stuff yeah. broke and then we said so, like, ah, let's get together and do like 10 minutes and then of course now i think it's been another 30 <laughs> it's been minutes been about half hour yeah. all right well we got to we, we got to talk so anyway find us oh well no this is not this the show is just beginning uh everyone enjoy the show thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you uh right now right now <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. I'm staring at Marcus Parks. Always. Never not. <laughs> Always staring at Marcus Parks. Thanks for tuning in to Able Against Top Hat. It's everything political, everything you need to know now. <laughs> Is that your new tagline? Everything you need to know now. Yeah, I guess so. Everything you need to know now. Now. A day after we record it. <laughs> all right, so we got a lot to get to. We'll continue our conversation about Roy Moore, although we all know what's going on. Uh, the polls have, he did take a bump. You know when they accused him of having sex with that 14-year-old? Mm-hmm. He took a hit, mm-hmm. but now he's fine. Uh, because uh, because he was able to blame it on transsexuals. This is the, the attack ads, yep. the attack campaign against Roy Moore according to Roy Moore, is coming from uh, transsexuals, lesbians, gays, and socialists. Just to wrap up the conspiracy theory conservative Republican burrito, yeah. uh, put, the, put the socialists on top. Of course, the women that have accused uh, Roy Moore, most of them Trump supporters, none of them gay. Yeah. Okay, so And there I think he was able to bring LGBT mafia into that as well. Yes, I think he yeah, did mention yeah. that, which sounds like a great tag team in the WWE, the LGBT mafia. However, However, it is not a thing that exists in real life. So I think we've actually covered Roy Moore enough. I'm done talking to the guy. I had a chance uh, yesterday on Fox News Radio to interview with uh, Lee Busby. He's a retired colonel who is a running a write-in campaign in Alabama. This guy is a real character. He is straight out of like the comic books. Uh, he's a buff dude, handsome man. Uh, he's 60 years old. So he's an option if you want to go and you say, I can't vote for a Democrat, but I can't vote for Roy Moore. Just go right in this guy uh, and then you can do your civic duty and vote, but you can sleep at night knowing you didn't enable a pedophile's political career, <laughs> which I always like to do. I, every night I go home, I fall asleep and say, did I help a pedophile today? Check, check. No, I did not. <laughs> and then I'm thrilled and I'm happy and everything is absolutely wonderful. So that's, uh, yeah, Roy Moore is basically, uh, he's he's up in the polls once again in the majority of polls, and it is what it is. Again, the pro-life issue in Alabama is very significant, and, uh, and as these accusations continue to flourish uh, in 
Washington, D.C. when it comes to sexual harassment, sexual assault, uh, claims, of course, against Al Franken, obviously the Democrat uh, senator out of Minnesota, and uh, John uh, Conyers, the Democrat uh, congressman out of Michigan. Uh, Conyers is 88 years old. Get out of there. Yeah. Go away. Uh, and Al Franken, the the tide is what it is, and it looks like resignation. It, it's not imminent, but it, it does seem uh, as if the calls for his resignation uh, are increasing. Of course, the irony is the Republicans might be filling uh, the vacuum, the power vacuum led by Jeff Sessions becoming attorney general. They might be filling that vacuum with the pedophile as the Democrats uh, purge uh, individuals who are being accused of sexual harassment. And I think it will be a, a an investment in the future of the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. if they just take their bumps right now, to rip off the Band-Aid, and then they can claim moral victory. Uh, because, of course, we are dealing with the scandals of the 90s, and I'm pissed off our generation has to deal with it. It's older men, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, uh, that apparently the workplace was just a, a uh, they were treating it like it was a strip club or something, yeah. uh, like it was an adult entertainment establishment where uh, obviously sexual norms are uh, a little bit different than they should be in the halls of Congress. Yeah. So and, and, uh, the Democrats did themselves no favors in the 90s uh, with all that, that Clinton, th- this whole this whole thing should have been nipped in the bud 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, as far as the and Democrats. And of course Trump now too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, as far as the uh, Democrats claiming the moral high ground, I think the People that that support people like Roy Moore, they don't care about the moral high ground. They don't ground. believe it. They obviously don't care about the moral high ground in the least bit whatsoever. I mean, the Democrats, of course, should clear out their ranks, but uh, anyone that thinks that it's going to change the minds of any Republican voter uh, is living in a fantasy world. They don't believe it. And even if they do believe it, like Kay Ivey said, the governor of Alabama, she said, I do believe the women, but I'm voting for Roy Moore because he's a Republican. So either exactly. they believe it and the, the, the party brand is so much larger uh, to Party them, before country. Party before country. Party, uh, I guess, uh, before uh, accusations of pedophilia. So they have that aspect of it. And then you have folks who just believe that it's a cabal, a liberal cabal against Roy Moore, and they don't want a good Christian man uh, holding that Senate seat. So it's a... It's a, a multiple issue there. Um, and, of course, the Democratic Party, you know, what happened there in 2016, Donald Trump being able to sort of make it a moot issue, of course, after the grab them by the you-know-what tape, the Billy Bush weekend, they call it, the Access Hollywood tape. You all know it. Um, he nullified that by bringing out Juanita Broderick, by bringing out uh, Miss Willie and two other individuals, and it basically forced the American people to say, okay, they're bo- one's a rapist, one's a rape enabler, they're both scumbags, where do we go from here yeah and um anyway so that's where we're at with all of that i want to talk real quickly there was this guy he was a bosnian he was accused of war crimes mm-hmm. and uh, he was uh, he was on trial there right and he got a, he got convicted he was sentenced to 20 years but he took it like a man and by that i mean he poisoned himself uh like a shakespearean <laughs> play right there uh, in front of the courtroom he said i'm i'm innocent of all these charges he swallowed some poison he sat down very calmly and then he told everyone he swallowed poison and i I just want to recommend that every single politician right now follow suit. Just go for it. Just do it. Watch the video of Bud Dwyer uh, and just say, like, how can I recreate that in my own life? You know, just follow the secret. Uh, and please, Lord, these politicians out there who are unbelievably corrupt, Bud Dwyer yourself or have the same courage as a Bosnian war criminal and just end it all. Well, the irony is that Bud Dwyer was a good man. 
That is it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a horrific thing is that Bud Dwyer was a, a very good man uh, that just saw that his, or he believed that his life uh, was over because of a bunch of like bogus, yeah. bogus accusations that he was uh, embezzling funds. The story of Bud Dwyer, like oh. Bud Dwyer is known as, you know, he's always known as the politician who killed himself mm-hmm. uh, dare on live TV. Bud, no. Yeah. But then the cameraman zoomed right in. <laughs> it's like, it's incredible. And then they pl- replayed it over and over yep. and over again. Again for days after that, if people—that's what I don't get—is like people are like, oh my god, the the media is so exploitative these days. Right? Like they showed in the seven, they showed a live suicide on TV and then played it again yeah. on the evening news that night with like just a little bit of a disclaimer. It's like, yeah. this is a little graphic. Watch out, guys. This is going to be a little graphic. And uh-huh. they showed it again. But the story of Bud Dwyer is actually very, I think there's a there's a documentary, I think it's called An Honest Man. Uh, okay. Or something I'll like that. I'll have to that. see that. Yeah, there's, it's a doc, I think it was, it's on like Amazon Prime. Uh, but it's all about Bud Dwyer, his history, what happened to him. He was a genuinely good person. All right. And it's one of the saddest stories in political history. So take this figuratively and your career is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Nancy Pelosi has just said, uh, told Conyers to step down. Of course, that rep that we just mentioned and things like that. Uh, so that is it uh, when it comes to all of those stories. That's kind of it in a very quick nutshell. Mm-hmm. But you know the stories. I mean, my goodness gracious. It's it's all heinous. It's a disgusting news cycle right now. If you recall last year at this time, it was all race relations. It was police officers, police brutality, African-American uh, versus uh, it was it was black versus white. You know, that was kind of the thing going on last year uh, during the December month. And um, you just wonder as a society if we're if we're giving ourselves enough time to actually proactively come up with solutions for these problems as opposed to just moving on too quickly. And I'm happy we're having the conversation right now about sexual norms, specifically what seems to be uh, have been taking place in the workplace for the past 60, 70 years, uh, unbeknownst to people like you and I who have, you know, been a dog nanny uh, <laughs> and uh, just kind of podcasters for so long. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I think it's good that we're addressing these issues, uh, but at the same time, we also have to think about practical solutions to these problems so, so we don't have uh, this kind of action going forward. And so as we are sort of still on the heels of the conversation of, of, about criminal justice reform, now we're talking about sexual harassment in the workplace. Of course, um, you know, what, I, what we've been talking about here is the, the rape kits, get those rape kits tested. That's a practical solution uh, that can lead to uh, both criminal justice reform and, uh, and get women the justice that they deserve because society has been uh, turning a blind eye uh, to victims for far too long. And hopefully we can get some proactive, positive policies put in place uh, that will allow everyone in this country to feel as if they're fully uh, a member of the franchise. Well, I think that uh, what we're going through right now is an extension of the criminal justice reform. It is. You know, like, I, I think it's like the the next logical step. But, you know, of course, I, I agree completely that we do need to actually ad- address each of these issues and not forget about the last one. You know, right. like just like, like, you know, we didn't solve the race problem in America. No, not like at in all. the last year. Like it, it was you, not you, the election of Trump didn't solve the race problem. <laughs> now I'm stunned. See, I thought that that was going to lay it to rest. I thought we I thought yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot of problems. We got in this some country problems. right now. We, well, we've got we've got a ton of I mean, we always have yeah. uh, all of these problems that we've been talking about uh, in the last couple of years. It's not like these are new problems. It's no. just that we're actually addressing these problems and talking about these yes, problems. You know, absolutely. and now the next step now that we've talked about now that we brought these problems to the 
forefront. Now it's the time for solutions. And the story that ties both of these things together is, in my opinion, the atrocious verdict coming out in San Francisco. Garcia Zarate, he is the uh, undocumented uh, individual. He was deported five times. He was about to be deported for the sixth time. He shot a gun. It was a 40 caliber on Pier 14 in San Francisco. The bullet ricocheted. It hit Kate Steinling in the back, killing her. She was walking with her father, just trying to live a life. She ended up, uh, obviously, as I said, dying. Uh, the jury came back with a verdict. The only thing that he was guilty of was being a felon in possession of a firearm, not guilty of first-degree murder, not guilty of second-degree murder, not guilty of involuntary manslaughter, which I don't understand how you don't get at least second or involuntary manslaughter on this. And we don't have all of the information. We don't know what the juries, uh, what the jurors were allowed to hear. Evidently, the judge did not allow them to hear uh, the man's deportation record. There were certain things that they were not allowed to hear. But this, to me... Uh, looks and feels like O.J. Simpson all over again. They put the, what the defense did was put the system on trial. What mm-hmm. the defense did was put the, the sanctuary city, the the um, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, Justice Department wanting to crack down on sanctuary cities. That's what that's what they were discussing here. That's what they were litigating in my personal opinion. And this is, uh, this is speculative to say the least, but I believe that the jurors uh, saw this as an opportunity to poke Donald Trump in the eye. And the irony is all this does is strengthen the argument that Jeff Sessions has been making. And this tax plan that the Republicans are going to be pushing forward on Monday, don't be surprised if the $19 billion or $10 billion, if they don't want to do the whole thing, don't be surprised if they try to squeeze that funding for the wall back into that tax plan on Monday. They were supposed to vote it, uh, for it today, or this is Friday, uh, but they're, they're a little bit late. Shocking, I know. <laughs> uh, but don't be surprised. Uh, uh, when the Republicans uh, party uses this case, this not guilty verdict in every one of their ads in 2018 and really is able to push forward their anti-sanctuary city uh, agenda, their anti-immigrant agenda. This does no favors for anyone and sets this country back, in my personal opinion, uh, a very long ways when it comes to practical solutions to solving our immigration crisis, which in my personal opinion is a path to citizenship, something like a DACA, but it should go through the House, should go through the Senate, and we can actually have a policy put in place in this country that uh, protects people who came here uh, unbeknownst to them, not willing, uh, not willing obviously willingly but young uh they didn't there there was not a six and a half year old born a dang playing them by themselves yeah um and that's what really pisses me off about this uh about this verdict again i don't know what the jury was allowed to hear but i don't see how this dude uh is not at least uh, found guilty of involuntary manslaughter unless the jury in san francisco uh couldn't get politics out of their jury box and uh, and allowed it to um, and allowed it to uh, really weigh heavily on their decision. Donald Trump wins. This yeah. decision is a victory oh, for the Republican huge Party. Huge victory a, for them. It's a, so that's what. I really mean, this is their Willie. This is the uh, 2018 Willie version Horton. of Willie Horton. Yep. You know, like uh, Willie Horton. For the those of you who don't know, is uh, that between George H. W. Bush and uh, Dukakis, uh, when Dukakis was governor, he had a weekend release program yeah. for prisoners, and this guy. Willie 
Willie Horton, who was on the weekend release program when he was out. He uh, was it. What he, he raped and murdered a woman. Raped and murdered. Yep. Ra- I wasn't Brutal. sure if it was just rape or if it was rape and murder. Yeah, he did. Uh, but yeah, he raped and murdered a woman. And so uh, when Dukakis was running, every single ad was Willie Horton, Willie Horton, Willie Horton. Like, yep. This is what if you get Dukakis in office, this is what's going to happen. This is what happened in Massachusetts. This is going to happen in every single yep. town across America, even though it was not even close to a representation of what the uh, weekend release program was. And of course, it is not accurate. Uh, well, obviously, in Willie Horton, that's not an accurate depiction of an entire race of individuals or an entire class of people in this country. Uh, and when it comes to this Garcia Zarate, he is not representative of uh, exactly. of undocumented people. So, of course, as Marcus just said, it will be blown out and it will be uh, depicted in a certain light that a lot of people uh, will believe to be true. The reality is we have roughly 11.5 million undocumented people uh, in this country. The number is probably higher, but that is what they say on average, and they say roughly 8 million of those individuals are working. Uh, As a person who worked in the bar business on a regular basis, as a person who uh, has been in the restaurant industry, we know for a fact the underground economy in this country is created and allowed to exist because of undocumented workers uh, who are able to get paid underneath the table, which, you know what, they don't pay them more. There's very rarely it was like, well, you know, uh, we're paying you under the table. We're going to give you $15 an hour. (laughs) Like, that's not the way it works. Um, So that is the majority of people who come into this country and immigrate into this uh, immigrate into this country. They are the ones who are working in the farms, working in the fields. They're the reason you can go to Taco Bell and get a a eggshell taco for a dollar because there is someone picking those tomatoes, uh, picking all of those fruits uh, and all those vegetables. And those individuals are a key component to the economy, which is the only reason that we can even entertain the idea of raising the minimum wage. And that's why if you listen to a lot of farmers, many of them who supported Donald Trump, they don't like his immigration stance because it's basically completely uh, pilfering their workforce. These farmers are like, I can't pay you seven fifty an hour, and I, I need these people uh, to be working here. Well, I mean, you could also argue that that's criminal, that just that in and of itself is criminal, that it's exploitation of workers. You well, know, you like, could. I mean, it is absolutely. I mean, it's exploitation of workers. You know, it's, it's, a very, it's very complicated because, you know, at the same time, yes, our economy does run on, you know, farmers and a lot of, like, agriculture people and you know and people in the restaurant industry uh being able to pay uh these undocumented workers much less than they pay uh citizens here in the united states is that right though you know well that's a whole nother question is is that right that they do that i mean you know if i think if you're looking at the lives of a lot of these people who come over here they're coming from uh mexico which we are the only show by the way to ever mention the fact that mexico is the second worst in the world when it comes to uh when it comes to uh murder Mm. uh the the first being syria which is of course uh, a war zone and in civil war basically uh and then of course it's mexico so they're they're fleeing basically a war-torn country uh with the with very very little possibility very little opportunity and this country does allow them to have uh certain um certain things that they weren't able to get so i guess from their perspective uh it might be it might be a net win but no you make a good point well something we have to address. And, and the other thing is, you know, people say, you know, America, illegal ig- immigrants are coming in and taking our jobs. It's the bosses. It's the business owners that are choosing 
to pay the immigrant workers less than they're paying you. Well, a lot of these small town farmers and things like that are also beholden to the large corporations that have completely taken over their entire industry. And these farmers are absolutely just trickling down the fact that they're getting fucked and now they have to fuck over somebody else. I mean, you know, these huge corporations are the ones who are just making massive bank. And if they would just trickle, there's no trickle down. No, there's never any, there's never any trickle down, but, but it goes like way, way, way back. You know, like these people, you know, the, the people that are paying, uh, these undocumented workers, they chose to not pay citizens. They chose to not. They chose to pay the undocumented workers sure. much less. But then you also have the flip side argument of that is these individuals aren't paying taxes because they're under the radar. That's why. Hence, we need a path to citizenship. They're also taking up uh, a lot of hospital resources and things like that when they do get injured, when they do get sick. So that's the flip side argument where it's like they're taking our resources, using our um, economy to get work, uh, but they're not uh, giving anything back to society financially or economically. That would be the flip side to that argument. So are you? saying that the immigration argument is extremely complicated i am <laughs> i know believe it or not is that what is that kind of what yeah. we're trying to say it's here? almost that- like this is this is my this is what what obamacare is to trump this is it. It's complicated. <laughs> this is immigration. Yeah, we'd say it's more complicated than you thought. Yeah, that it's not just some kind of simple, stupid fat thing that Kick you can solve. Kick them out. Solve. Keep them in. Yeah, keep them out. Keep them in. You, you can't, saying that this isn't some simple, stupid thing that you can no. solve with a fucking wall. No, it's not a limerick that the Blues Brothers can sing. No, it, it is not. It's actually very it's, difficult. It, it, and, it is uh, extremely good. Like, our entire, I mean, everything is so intertwined in all this shit. Like, right. it, it's not something that it, that is simple. It's not something that, that can be solved no. in a soundbite. Like, this is not. extremely complicated and it has so many far-reaching implications here. Absolutely. Absolutely. But nonetheless, my personal stance is I, uh, I'm i just going to say I disagree with the jury on this case. And I don't know what their motivations were when deciding. We don't know what they were able to hear in the courtroom. Um Oftentimes, the court of public opinion, uh, you get more information yeah. uh, in many ways. Uh, but sometimes judges don't allow for certain things, and uh, we've seen this in time and time again. So I, uh, he will be deported. Uh, they're already he's going to be a very easy person to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, but then does he come back for the sixth time? I just feel bad for the family of Kate Steinle. Obviously, uh, they first of all had to have their daughter is murdered. That's number one. Uh, and then being used as a political pawn for so long mm-hmm. uh, by Donald Trump and the Trump campaign. I hate when people use people post-mortem uh, for political props. It is a pet peeve of mine. I absolutely despise it. They had that, and then to have this uh, to have this verdict come through, no justice whatsoever has been done for the family. And again, just a dad walking with his daughter on Pier 14 in San Francisco trying to uh, enjoy a, uh, a nice day in this country, and uh, unfortunately, uh, she passed away. Uh, she was murdered, and... Um, Anyway, so that is my that's our hot take on that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on here. I want to talk a little bit about a story that I don't think is getting nearly enough press. Obviously, the sexual harassment stuff has been, uh, you know, really on the forefront of everyone's minds and certainly been the driving factor for most uh, mainstream media outlets, television news, basically, who absolutely love this tabloid stuff. Uh, the slave trade that's going on right now in Libya is unbelievable. This is completely insane. Why do we not go and just take out every single dictator that is not good? Because this is exactly what happens. Uh, Donald Trump has handled this entire situation horribly, but this is all goes back, and I, I'm, some people might get upset with me. I really don't care. The 
Invasion of Libya and the ousting of Gaddafi has proven once again to be a massive catastrophic disaster for you, for the region. Uh, you I look agree at what with happened, that completely. You look what happened. Absolutely. You look what happened in Iraq. Uh, the the ousting of Saddam. These people. Yes, Saddam Hussein was a horrible dictator. Gaddafi was a horrible dictator. You have to let these processes work out organically amongst the culture. Uh, you can't just go out there and murder these people, give every single farmer uh, the weapons that were using in the Gulf War to go oust this dude be, with no backup plan whatsoever on who is going to fill that power vacuum. And look at what happened now with Libya, an actual slave trade, slavery happening in real time, uh, you know, the, the, the slave stocks are there. It is unbelievable what's going on. And uh, the fact that the United States played a key role in allowing or creating an environment where something like this could flourish should give us pause once again. Whenever we talk about taking out world leaders, dictators, it goes with North Korea and Kim Jong-un as well. What are we going to do after we do these things? There's never a follow-up plan, and Libya has been another example of United States foreign intervention having a net loss for society and the world as a whole. A lawless society is not better than a dictatorship, uh, because no. when we go in and take out these dictators and have nothing to fill it with, it will be filled with lawlessness. Yeah, I mean, Ralph Nader is not taking over. You know, there, <laughs> There's not some like peacenik who is just like, and now I lead. It's not the way it works. There's a, It's Lord of the Flies, man. Yeah, and, and it wouldn't be any different here. It wouldn't be any no. different in any other country. You know, it's like, if, if you don't, like, if we would have gone in and taken out Hitler and then just kind of let it be. Right, of course. It would not have been good. We gave them quite a bit of money to rebuild. <laughs> There's a whole thing about it. Yeah, there were a lot of countries work together. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's like Soviet Union, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's very complicated and everything. But still, like, we didn't just take him out and then leave. What was it? The, it was the Marshall Plan, wasn't it? The Marshall? What I was the name so. of the plan? I can't remember. We got some people here who were listening. <laughs> Travis, what's the name of the plan that we rebuild, uh, that we used to rebuild Europe? <laughs> All right, he's not we got, answering. We got, a, we got a, a real non-committal oh fuck from behind the curtain. There. <laughs> I believe it. Well, we'll figure. Travis, let me know when, when you get that information, please, Lord. Yeah. But yes, but, that was it. It was, yeah, it was like, very expensive. It was very difficult. It was very time-consuming. Yeah. And we did the same thing with Japan as well. Yes. You know, like uh, we, we took care of it. It was the Marshall Plan. Thank you, Curtains. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was the Marshall Plan. But yeah, uh, you know, we take out, you know, Hitler and, you know, Eichmann's going to stand right up and he's going to sure. take power. Or you're going to have all these Nazis that are fighting each other. It's going to be fucking chaos. It's the exact same thing. But we yes. kept, but now, you know, we go in, we take out these dictators, we take out these awful For people. What? And then we, because that's the other thing too, is that it's not like Gaddafi was the only evil person person in Libya. No, Libya was the only successful country in Africa. But I'm just saying, so, it's like for you to be yeah, underneath a guy like Gaddafi or for you to be underneath a guy like right. Saddam Hussein and to take his orders and to put and to put his plans, right. those evil plans into action, it's not like, you know, Saddam Hussein was going out there and torturing people all by himself. He right. had people in place to do that. Yeah. And those people don't go away. Those again, people absolutely not, don't go away. And not only do they not go away, but they fight each other for control, and it gets even worse. And you wonder, how do you keep a country from civil war like what was in Iraq, the Shiites, the Sunnis, and the Kurds? you got to be a strong, you got to be very intense. And, of course, uh, his children, I think Saddam's children were actually much worse than he was uh, because they didn't have to, they didn't work for anything. Uday and uh, They were, oh, they're horrible. Those yeah. stories are 
Ex- they are horrible. As we've <laughs> seen, bad. yeah, they are like what they what Donald Trump Jr. does on Twitter. Just imagine that, like in real life, and then someone taking your wife on your wedding night and doing horrible things. Yeah, uh, that's what they did. They were so. They, but anyway, uh, so that's what's going on in Libya right now. And uh, the there have been world leaders uh, got, getting together, attempting to uh, to do away with it, and hopefully it is handled uh, very quickly because it's 2017. And uh, we just should not have a world where uh, slave auctions are occurring on a regular basis. It is, and if you haven't seen the footage, uh, go on LiveLeak. You can literally watch. It is, it is so strange. It is, you really do feel like you're being transported back in time. Yeah, it is so so strange. They're selling for about two hundred dollars each. Oh, it's it's disgusting. And it's not only that they're they're not just do they're also harvesting their organs. Oh my goodness! Straight uh, up, they're, slave, they're, they're, yeah. they're they're just parts. Yeah, it, it's 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 inhumane. It's oh anyway. So uh, yeah, do some research on that uh, story as well, and uh, we got to uh, try to get rid of that. Um, and world leaders are coming together, obviously, and denouncing it and everything like that. But that's what happens, you know, when we go in and we just we mess with other nations and we don't have the capability. We don't have the will. We don't have uh, you know, we can throw some cash at them, uh, but that's it. And um, so that was a horrible decision. And I don't know. I, I my I, my personal belief is that Hillary Clinton, uh, Obama did not want that to happen. Obama did not want Libya. That was that was her thing. And I think it was a resume builder. And oftentimes you hear people say she was the most qualified. It's like, yeah, she was Secretary of State. She was horrible. He was a bad Secretary so of State. Maybe not Rex Tillerson bad. Although Rex hasn't <laughs> done anything, uh, he hasn't done anything. Done you know, nothing. we have to find uh, we have to find middle ground. Yeah, we have, to, have find to find a middle, middle ground, ground between somebody refusing to install diplomats that prevent wars mm. and somebody who actively goes looking for war. Believe it or not, a CEO of an oil company maybe not the best diplomat. Maybe not. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, let's transition a little bit to North Korea. Um, Rex Tillerson will be gone in January. Uh, most likely, he possibly uh, replaced with Tom Pompeo, uh, the dude who is currently ahead of the CIA. Mm, yeah. uh, Tom Pompeo might be replaced by Tom Cotton. He's a, uh, a he is a senator, young guy. I think he's 40, 41 years old. So Pompeo looks like he will be the new Secretary of State, which will be a very significant and very important position to hold at this point because what's going on with North Korea, it rat, uh, it's ratcheted up. They just uh, fired a new ICBM up in the air. And again, they are using 24% of their GDP. That's what the North Koreans are using right now on military, Army, Navy, uh, and all of these ballistic tests, all of these missile tests. It's not sustainable. The United States, we have a $600 billion uh, um, military. That's what we spend annually. We use 3.3% of our GDP. That's right within our wheelhouse. The Russians use roughly 5.6% of their GDP uh, for military. What collapsed the Soviet Union? They were using 20 to 25% of their GDP on military. It's not economically sustainable whatsoever. So North Korea, this is kind of like their big push. This is their big sprint to the uh, nuclear finish line. Uh, and what Kim Jong-un is really relying on is Western aggression, uh, which he is using perfectly for his own propaganda means. He's easily and, using it for his own oh, propaganda. Absolutely. This, is, this is the easiest propaganda campaign that's ever been manufactured in history. Oh, sure. I mean, just look at, yeah, you're, you're one uh, internet click away from looking at Donald Trump's tweets. And, uh, and of course, you just parlay that right into a message to your people who are starving and dying uh, and absolutely completely screwed. Uh, and would love 
love to have leaders that actually took care of them. But of course, you know, because of such an unbelievable lack of access to information, uh, some some don't know how horrible they have it. And the ones that do can't do anything about it, because what the heck do you do? Do you defect like that individual who is now resting uh, in South Korea? That was an intense video. Watch that video. If you haven't seen it, the guy is defecting. He crashes his car. It's straight out of like a Jason Bourne movie. Interestingly enough, he survived, despite what Alex Jones says, (laughs) uh, he survived. um, And the people who have not been seen, the guards that let him loose. So they're they're in a work camp right now being tortured like, you know, only Eli Roth could imagine for another hostile film. God knows what's going on with them. You know, for these work camps, they call them work camps. But they don't do a lot of work. (laughs) I think they mostly just like get hit a bunch and Mm -hmm. then burned. And if you get a chance uh, to listen to Otto Warmbier's father talk about Otto Warmbier, of course, the kid um, who got busted stealing the propaganda poster, uh, they rearranged his teeth, put him back in all wrong. I mean, it's it's Ah. uh, brutal stuff, did. So those those guys are, you know, totally uh, screwed. But what's going on right now with this ballistic test that just took place? Uh, did not go over Japan. It went, went into the sea. Uh, it went uh, roughly 2,800 miles into the air, 10 times higher than a space satellite uh, there. Uh, it's the most powerful missile they've had so far. This is their first launch in 72 days. Uh, and so that has given a lot of pause. Of course, 90% of all of the revenue going into North Korea is from Russia or China. So the question is now, what do we do? Trump over in Asia was talking about uh, how uh, China needs to you know, do the heavy lifting mm. when it comes to the sanctions and when, when it comes to cutting off their oil supply, basically, uh, which is really a key component to missiles. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the uh, 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 D.C.'s position, Washington's position, our position as a, as a nation is to encourage China to actively cut off their oil supply, uh, no longer feed the beast, basically, and try to suffocate the country that way. Obviously, economic sanctions haven't really worked because the regime doesn't give a shit yeah. that its people are starving, uh, which is, you know, the trickle the trickle down of the sanctions. It always just hurts the, the poorest. Um, but it is what it is. I firmly believe, as Lindsey Graham is talking about, of course, the senator there out of South Carolina, talking about how we're closer to war and things like that. I don't believe that there will ever be a nuclear warhead attached to a ICBM coming out of North Korea. I, I don't believe that'll happen. I don't think the Chinese want it to happen. don't think the Russians want it to happen. U.S. cyber warfare alone, I think, could deter that from occurring. A, uh, a preventative strike on their... On their um, on their uh, launch strips, completely within the realm of, uh, of reason. Uh, the UN could very well have something to do with all of this. It could be a global effort when it comes to North Korea, not necessarily the United States doing the heavy lifting when it comes to uh, nipping this thing in the bud because it's still very early stages. And if you go back and look at that parade from August in mm. North Korea, do you recall this one? No. It was all paper mache. Oh. All the missiles were fake. <laughs> like they literally looked, they were like glued together like like uh, popsicle stick people. Oh. Uh, it was horrible it reminds us of what the russian crafts arts and crafts (laughs) for north koreans making fake missiles they their military other than being able to really goose step in unison Mm -hmm. very organized extremely so extremely organized they're really a very weak weak country 25 million people nothing economically going on uh the chinese have a vested interest in making sure that they're there for strategic uh, reasons solely because they don't want South Korea uh, to be on their border because 
you know, for all intents and purposes, South Korea's America, mm-hmm. and we would just have military bases, you know, all around the. Uh, you 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 talk about um, the demilitarized zone. It would just move from South Korea's North Korea's border to South Korea and the Chinese border. Right. That, that's exactly what would happen. Chinese have no vested interest in doing that. So perhaps we'll have uh, some airstrikes. I would not be surprised about that. But as far as like an all-out war, like a boots on the ground type thing. I just can't. I it, to me, it's not in the in the realm of rationality. No, I, th- I think what we're most likely looking at is a refugee crisis. Well, and that would be China's issue, right? Yeah. And that's another and South issue. Korea's issue. South Korea is not going to be as warm. Uh, to I know. Them. I know they're not going to be as warm, but I think they'd still have to deal with it. They would have to deal with it. I, my understanding would be that, that that North Koreans would mostly seek asylum in China. It's a much larger country, much easier for them to uh, absorb into, and culturally much more similar. Even though they're North and they're both Korea, they're North and South Korea, but uh, North Korea has adopted a lot more of China's uh, culture. They use obviously their goods are yeah. all Chinese, so I think it would make more sense for for it to go in, in that direction. But yeah, of course, it would, it would. The whole region would be a crisis. Yeah, yeah. So you think that North Korea would be absorbed into China rather than a reunification? Well, I don't because there's if there's a, a the, reunification, then it's going to be South Korea's problem because then all of a sudden there all of these people are. Korean citizens again. Well, who? So who? Uh, that's a whole nother issue, and a lot of the experts have talked about what does North Korea become then? Yeah. Uh, does that? Yeah. Does it become? Uh, does China just take it over entirely, or does the? Is this? It, would this be a property worth fighting for? Yeah. Uh, for the United States? Oh uh, Of no. course, the South Koreans don't want to have China <laughs> on their doorstep either. Yeah. It's very North Korea is just very bizarre because it's like you have two neighbors that don't like each other, but there's one like little outhouse in the middle. <laughs> Uh, that just like keeps everyone at bay. Yeah, but an outhouse that's like saving up for a big gun. Yes, exactly. So uh, I, I, th- I think the Chinese, the Russians, and the United States are basically all in border basic agreement that they don't want to see a nuclear North Korea. Of course not. And this is just this is just Kim Jong Un doing his best uh, to. Uh, from his perspective, uh, to secure the safety of his people and to really play into that notion that they are a powerhouse that could actually destroy the West. Uh, and again, 24% of your GDP, that's what they're spending. It's not sustainable. He's just killing his own people. And uh, it'll end horribly for him. But do we want another situation? As we saw with Libya, do we? Ju- do you just get rid of uh, what Donald Trump calls little rocket man? Donald Trump has called him short and fat. Uh, Kim Jong-un has called Donald Trump uh, uh, an old man with Do-tard. dementia. A dotard. <laughs> I mean, it's as stupid as it possibly gets, but everyone has nuclear weapons, so it's a little bit serious yeah. as well. So that that situation will will continue to follow. This would be so but much more fun if it was happening in like 1925. Cool. <laughs> yeah, without the bomb. But I think Kim Jong Un stays in power, and I, I just uh, I, I feel like the nuclear program is nipped in the bud with cyber attacks, and perhaps maybe uh, we we blow up uh, uh, some of their military um, uh, equipment and things like that. Very similar to what happened in Syria, of course, after uh, Assad used um, chemical weapons once again, after uh, Donald Trump said that he should not do that. And if he did do that, there would be uh, retaliation. After we bombed, put the 58 missiles over there on the uh, the Syrian airstrip and hit a a couple of other supposed places where they were manufacturing uh, these uh, these chemical weapons, which I don't know if we actually hit any, but that's a whole other story. And of course, that was also when we dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan, which was 
basically the strongest bomb next to the nuclear weapon, which was an interesting way for Donald Trump to start his presidency. Well, North Korea and uh, any country in the Middle East are extremely different. You know, oh like they're God, not yeah, gonna. North Korea is gonna react differently to regime change than people in uh, the Middle East are gonna react to regime change. You know, it's like it's a completely different culture because yeah. in uh, in the Middle East, part of the reason why the the Middle East and you know countries like Iraq were so uh, volatile and why uh, someone like Saddam Hussein was kind of able to keep it under control is because you know the Middle East was very tribal. The, Absolutely, it was very tribal, and the borders of uh, all of these Middle Eastern countries were drawn by the British. You exactly. know, they, they were drawn way, way, way back when, without any thought whatsoever None. towards how all of these people might deal with each other and the answer is so they didn't stupid. like yeah, of they, course they, not. they absolutely didn't because you know they're all diametrically opposed to each other as to what they believe mm-hmm. in north korea you have people like it is a full dictatorship you know like it is country is because in the middle east it is you know religion is god in north korea yeah. yeah that's a theocracy this is a uh, dictatorship this is where leader is god right you know this is where the uns are god so it's a completely different situation and it's very difficult yeah, to the know kim how dynasty the, yeah. the kim dynasty it's very difficult to know how these people are going to react to this yep and uh, God knows, I'm not. I'm not in the predictive game on that one. Who knows? Yeah. Will they? Will we, if we would do something, would we be seen as great liberators? That didn't work for Iraq. No, it didn't uh, work for and Iraq. I don't know. Yeah. Again and again, does South Korea? Does China? Do they want to deal with that? That's a whole other thing. So that's why I, I, I just feel like that'll be handled uh, with. I, I don't see. I don't foresee like mass casualties. Uh, on a very like significant level, obviously all life matters, but I, that's I think the 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 news media right now is just very reminiscent uh, at times of 2001. Mm. It, I, and I, whenever the news media wants to trump it up for war, because yes. they're all owned by the exact same corporations, Drums they're all are beaten. Oh, they're horrible. Which is, by the way, why no news outlets on television are talking about net neutrality. They're all owned <laughs> by 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 uh, com companies. Comcast, yeah. So uh, they have no. They of course they don't have a vested interest in talking about net neutrality. Yeah. But no they ma- ratchet up and they fear they they instill fear in the hearts of the American people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you just see that happening now. And again, I think it'll be handled much more diplomatically. And if it is militarily, uh, I think it'll be more of a scalpel approach than than a machete approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see here. What else do we got going on this week? I don't know. I, I think it's about all. I think that's about. I think that. What about the curtains, Travis? What do you think, Travis? Anything going on this week that you, we want? Do you want to address? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and yet another uncommittal uh, fuck from the curtains. And we've. Done it all. All right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's see. Well, thanks so much for checking this out. I'm sure we're. I'm, there's always something going on. Yeah. Uh, yes. Net neutrality. Stay on that. We'll follow the tax plan. It hasn't been finalized yet. It obviously passed Congress, but it hasn't passed the Senate. And again, don't be surprised if you see that funding for the wall coming in there uh, here on Monday because of uh, of what happened with the Kate Steinle case. It's bigger than just this case. Once you once you throw these things out there and put them into the political world, it just blows everything up mm-hmm. uh, and it changes reality. So it's a it's a big sad case, obviously. Um, 
I, I just I don't understand where the jury was at with that one. But anyway, um, all right. Thanks so much for listening. What do we want to say? We have to say go buy merch. We got products. Yeah, we got products. We yeah, have products. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. buy with buy products. I guess lastpodcastnetwork.com. Go to our merch page. You can get yourself an Abling is top hat T-shirt. There it is. That's very fun. Or all the T-shirts. Marcus has one for last podcast on the left that just says I like the smell of dirt, but it's got my face on it. It does. <laughs> and that's so you know he's not lying. Um, all right, everyone. Well, I'm going to say hail yourselves because we all need to hail ourselves in this time, right? Because it's hard times, but things will get better and we're going to proactively, uh, after the purge occurs, (laughs) which seems to be happening right now, things will be better and, uh, hopefully everyone can feel comfortable in their country. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I always feel say comfortable it. in your country. I agree. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. Tasks are taking forever to complete and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.